Welcome to an episode of About to Drop, a podcast where I interview indie artists about new music they're about to release. I'm your host, Baro Avad, aka Vertigo. I'm a pop producer that works with indie artists and songwriters to create, record, and release new music. I've found that I have a lot of similar conversations with newer indie artists I work with, and I thought it'd be useful for us to hear about other artists' processes, struggles, stories, and best practices. Hopefully you find something useful for your own career, and at the very least, find a new artist whose music you can check out. If you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, please go to www.vrtigomusic.com forward slash podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of About to Drop. I'm here with December Rose. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. And you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Just uh, getting my day started over here. Uh, Thanks so this, for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. So we uh, we we started talking on Facebook just like I guess a couple weeks ago, and I invited you on because I think you had posted your the music video for your single um, when we were young, and it sounds amazing. So thank I, you. I definitely wanted to get you on here. Thank you. Um, so can you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, like how you started, um, where you're from, all that stuff? Yeah. So. I'm of Italian origins. Um, I most identified with my Sicilian side of the family, okay. but I'm uh, half Sicilian and the other half is more from closer by Rome. And um, I grew up in Montreal, Canada, mm-hmm. started singing. According to my mom, I was still in diapers. I was two and there was a Pavarotti commercial on TV and he was coming to Montreal. And apparently I started singing along to it. And so she, she's like, okay, I think she's got a, a little calling there, some interest at the very least. And so my parents just kind of, took uh put me into music lessons just to see if if that's where my heart lied and sure enough it did and so I continued um studying music all throughout my life really until I went to university and um never looked back so then I got started just writing my own stuff and and trying to figure out what this music business thing was and it got started in that around 16 and now I've still been uh on the grind like every other artist and and trying to hone in on, on the skill and, and what I'm trying to represent as an artist and get out there and yeah. That's awesome. So you said you're based in Toronto? Montreal. Montreal. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how long, how long did you live in Rome or, uh, in uh, Italy for? Uh, I didn't live there. I was born here, okay. but my, my family's from there. Like my grandparents immigrated right after the war. Mm-hmm. And, you, uh, do, yeah. Do you go there often? No, I've actually only been once. And I haven't even been to Sicily at all yet. Oh, really? Uh, I went, yeah, I went to Italy once uh, in 2017 for like a singing contest that I I'd won an Italian singing contest here. Mm-hmm. And the prize was to go and perform at a festival over there. And that was kind of my excuse to have to go. But I, I was there only a week and kind of fell in love with it and mm-hmm. want to take a trip back. I should probably be dropping back in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if, if you had spent time there, I have a totally selfish question, but I guess you can't answer it. Uh, we're, we're going, we're going for a honeymoon in Italy in, um, okay. in April, I think. So we're like planning out our whole trip now, but so we, so we're looking at like recommendations on places to go and stuff like that. But, uh, I don't have that yet, but what I can say is definitely do the, do the coffee overdose. Coffee overdose? <laughs> yeah. Like, like you can't stop drinking it. You just, it's just, it's super good. It's honestly the best thing I've ever, I've ever tasted. Like I, I can't imagine a coffee that tasted that good until I tried it. Really? 
Yeah. Just like anywhere, or is there a specific kind of coffee anywhere? Yeah. Anywhere. Like I, I, I was kind of hooked on the cappuccinos or the lattes, but even espresso, everything just tastes so amazing. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm like a huge coffee fiend, so I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay, great. <laughs> Um, all right. So like, um, when did you decide to like, you know, put a full like effort into pursuing a music career? It's probably going to be a pretty cheesy answer, but I think from pretty young, actually, no, my tipping point, um, when I was in elementary school, there was a, a walk to remember. It was a movie that came out with Mandy Moore mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've seen it or, or if any of your listeners have seen it, but that movie was about how Mandy Moore was in, in high school and, she fell in love with this this boy in school and she got diagnosed with cancer. And by the end, if I'm not mistaken, she had passed away. But there was a specific moment in that movie where she was uh, she was singing and she was on stage in school and she sang this like beautiful song. And at that there was a lot of things about her in school that I kind of identified with it, myself as being a, a student and being in elementary school. And music was always that thing for me like okay that's my that's my ray of light that's my hope and I always dived in to music and into perfecting things and and studying and performing and whatever when when things kind of weren't really going well so that kind of threw me over the edge and like well my heart is set on this is it realistic or is it just a, a dream right like everybody's allowed to dream but is this something I can do something with and then I guess what convinced me that maybe I really had the potential to to try is I was I was in active schools and I was auditioning and I I got a lot of callbacks from singing um like mentors or A&R reps that kind of guided me along the way and when I got accepted into my college music program it was a friend of mine that was auditioning and he's like oh you know like uh, I'm auditioning for this really cool program in in trombone and you know maybe and I was like oh that's really cool I didn't know that existed and he's like yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, do you sing? And I'm like, actually, yeah. He's like, you should try out. You have nothing to lose. And it just so happened that I was going to go into some random program in college just because like my friends were going into it and I was mm-hmm. afraid to like try something else. I was like, who's going to do music? Um, but I auditioned, I got in and he didn't. And it was, it was really like tragic obviously for him, but, but even for myself, it was just a shocker that if I, if this person hadn't convinced me to just, you know, try because I had nothing to lose, maybe my life would have turned out pretty different by just kind of being afraid to try. Um, so yeah, so I, I got accepted and went there and I, I literally never looked back because everything just kind of started to fall in place of me getting more ambitious and more competitive about what I wanted out of myself and what I expected, um, what I wanted to contribute to music or why I wanted to do it at all. If it was just because I felt good or, or if it was because I wanted to help people in the process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a. It was definitely a little bit of a miracle work in there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a that's a crazy story. I mean, I, I think we all have those points in our life where, like, like one random occurrence or something will like shift the direction of you know what we're doing. Yeah, um, that's cool though. Um, so, have you always done like the the solo thing, or have you ever played in groups? I from pretty young, my parents kind of bred me to do the solo thing. And mm-hmm. before I even really understood why that was important, but my parents always said, you know, if anything goes wrong, any work that you've done as part of a group is going to be out the door. So they're like, just make sure that your decisions obviously are going to work in your best interest. So I never stopped myself from playing with groups, but I always made sure to make sure to, that we both had titles. So if it was December Rose and blah, 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 like we were two acts basically joining forces to do something together. 
Gotcha. Um, I wanted us to both have, I guess, our own, our own like little baby of something, you know, mm-hmm. it's like a little, little recognition for what, right, what right. we're contributing. And I, I'm, I'm glad I did it that way. Cause along the way, obviously like bands do fall apart and stuff does happen. We are human and we do make errors. So, uh, I'm glad I can kind of hold myself accountable for what I've done. And I haven't like, I haven't compromised my projects. Right. That's smart. That's smart for sure. Um, what was I going to ask? Where, where, where does the name December Rose come from? Is there a story behind um, it? A, l- a little bit. Um, <laughs> so I'm born in December, and uh, my Italian name is Rosa Maria La Posta. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people can't really pronounce Rosa Maria that well. So my mom's like, oh, we'll just shorten it. And in English, you know, most people say Rose or Rosie, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just took my birth month and the first part of my Italian name, and boom. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, well, how would you describe your sound? That's been tricky because it's evolved so much over the years. And I know this is kind of a ridiculous question, but <laughs> it's fine. I mean, yeah, like everybody, everybody kind of asks. Yeah. Um, I would say now, now it's probably a cross between Gavin DeGraw, Adele, Jesse J. Mm-hmm. Somewhere around there. Um, I haven't been able to pinpoint it to, to say like it's this specific thing, but I guess in an, if I'm going to put it under an umbrella, it's adult contemporary. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you, do you like perform uh, in Montreal or do you tour or anything like that? I haven't toured yet. That's kind of, that's something I've been looking at more seriously for 2020 um, for the release of my album and stuff. Um, but yeah, I perform in the city. It's a little bit harder in Montreal just because, um, it's, it's very strong on the rock scene and very strong in jazz. Um, we do have stuff for pop. It's just very competitive without representation or kind of doing things as an indie. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I, I perform when I see some opportunities as fitting, uh, to, to what I represent or things that, you know, I think would be, um, a good pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, so every now and then, yeah, as, as things come up for sure. Well, what kind of like, um, uh, like like venues or events do you typically play at uh so this the last little while it's been a lot of italian festivals mm-hmm. so i i kind of like you know cater to the italian community with doing a lot of italian songs more specifically because i won an italian contest in the city that was kind of a big deal for us here mm-hmm. so so because of that i i do ha- like a good half an hour show just of italian songs and traditional things and then another good chunk of j- my stuff um, and get them acquainted with my work. Uh, so it's been a lot of like Italian festivals or some fundraisers that uh, that I support, um, or like little little uh, coffee shop gigs that I can just kind of have more of an intimate setting and and share my stories with people. Okay. And when you perform, do you do um, all originals or covers or some of both? Usually both. Yeah. yeah. Usually you gotta entice them a little bit with the covers, and then I know and then I've like, been there. Like, <laughs> I played those games. Like, okay, who is she? Let's get to know her a little uh-huh. bit. <laughs> yeah, you gotta latch them in with something familiar, and then give them something. <laughs> That's new. it. Yeah, no. That's, that makes That's total it. sense. <laughs> um, so, so how many like original songs have you released up until now? Quite a few. I'd say probably close to twenty. Okay. Um, yeah, probably probably close to twenty because I released two projects two full projects. One was an EP and one was an album with uh, a record company that I was signed to called Invitation Records uh, years ago. And, uh, and a couple of singles after those. And then um, after my separation with them last year, I released, I've since released three more singles. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so, so the, the first 
EP and album came out with Invitation. That's correct. correct? Can, can we go a little bit into how you got linked up with them and, you know, what the process yeah. was of like, you know, uh, I guess being discovered by a, a record label or, and like the whole process and, and stuff. Cause a lot of the folks sure. that I talked to, that's kind of what yeah. they're going for. You know, they want some kind of, uh, yeah. label representation. So, um, I was in, uh, I was finishing up university when that, when that record deal kind of fell in my lap, if I'm going to word it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was reaching a point where I was YouTubing a lot and I was doing a lot of gigs and I, I had been writing a lot of content, but I just really didn't know what else to do. And obviously budget is like a shoe, a shoestring. It's not uh, you know, it's, it's not a big bank account for that. So I went online and I just started researching um, how I could submit to a label and finally stumbled across this online songwriting contest called um, uh, contest factory. And they, we're looking for submissions for songs and videos and whatever. Uh, and I submitted my, my music video for the song called Don't Give Up On Love in 20, I don't remember if it was 2011, 2012-ish. And um, yeah, and so little did I know, I, I submitted the cash price was going to be 100 bucks, and I forgot all about it. And then I got an email notification that I was in the finals. I was like, oh, I was like, I forgot about this. It had been like three <laughs> weeks or something. Mm-hmm. And and so one thing led to another, got the cash prize. They did a write-up on me. And then the part of their their, their team for the, the administration wrote to me. They're like, hey, listen, the owners uh, wanted to know if you had more material that you could send over. Sent all that over. And then they're like, great, can we set up a Skype call? And so this was, um, I believe this was the start. This was around like January-ish 2012 mm-hmm. that we got into the Skype call. And uh, I met Russ Reagan and Iman Forotan, who were the, the co-founders of, of Invitation Records. And so Russ, anyone that I guess would have heard of Russ Reagan, he was a veteran in music. Like he had worked with Frank Sinatra and Olivia Newton-John and Marvin Gaye and you name it. He had photos with all these people and he was, uh, Elton John especially, that was kind of one of his like claim to fame of who he had launched. And um, so we're like, okay, cool. So we, we hit it off really well on Skype. They sent me a, a record contract. and that was very lengthy because for me, it was obviously like a first time of having this possibility. And for any artist, it's kind of a dream, you know, to have your record contract and whatever. Um, but that's also a make or break situation for your, your whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, my family and I, that we didn't really have a lot of knowledge on the industry. We hired a lawyer and we spent 10 months negotiating the contract uh, just to be sure that everything was like, you know, very fair and square for both parties. And so we signed it. It was the end of 2013. And then we didn't get started musically about till 2014. Worked on my EP, polished up some things, got to know each other better, a little bit of a of artist development. And then we finally released my EP in 2015. And uh, yeah, and that was, that was kind of it. Then, you know, naturally like any other business relationship, some things are great, some things are not, and it's a give and take and it's, it's a development, it's a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, so Russ Reagan, uh, unfortunately felt very unwell, uh, with like shortly after the first year that we worked together. So right after we released the EP, he started to fall sick. Um, and he took some time off. He, he really wasn't involved in further development. So I, I stayed signed with them for a couple more years to see if he would kind of spring back and, and sit tight, so to speak. But, um, unfortunately he passed away. So we, yeah, so we, we terminated the contract last year, August 2018. 
and uh, and so you know it was very friendly parting ways with uh, with the other business partner. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you know it was just kind of an unfortunate situation of, of, of you know things. So mm-hmm. uh, life happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and since since then, uh, what have you been just like focusing on, um, you know, being an independent artist or are you ultimately looking for like another label to, uh, to partner up with? Yeah, so I have mixed feelings about that because I do think that the art, the indie way is a great way. Um, it does give you a lot of freedom. It does give you a lot of independence and a lot of control over the kind of material that you make and what you're going to release, whatever, whatever. However, I do find the indie way incredibly difficult in the way of manpower and funds, mm-hmm. um, as I'm sure many can agree with that, because it does get very expensive. And when and to build your team one at a time is is very lengthy. And there are certain walls that we hit that sometimes we just don't know how to break past. Um, and so I know for myself personally, I've really struggled with having the right kind of representation. Um, sorry about that. Uh, having the right kind of representation to, uh, to kind of push me through some of the musical politics. Um, so certain festivals that I can't get on because, well, you don't have a manager or certain things that I can't do. Well, you don't have a manager. So little things like that, that kind of set you back that I kind of wish I had, um, some kind of stronger manpower to get me through. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm, I mean that that's not the case. I'm just going to work with what I have and continue what I've been doing. That's been doing me a lot of good. Mm-hmm. Um, even if right now in, in more of the calm before the storm, um, even if I'm spending just more time on really defining my sound or in defining my, uh, my values as an artist, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm putting, what I'm putting out there and being more in control of that. Okay. Um, all right. Well, no, that, that's that's a pretty unique kind of situation. A lot of the folks, again, that I work with are have just been independent. So, like, mm-hmm. getting a perspective of someone that's been on both sides of that is, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the um, the release you just put out. Yeah. Um. So the the latest one is called When We Were Young, and I wrote that about. I I'm a teacher as well, so that's kind of like part of my my many hats that I wear. Like I'm, a, I'm a music teacher, teacher. Or a music teacher. A, a music teacher. So I freelance and I, I go to some students' homes or I uh, I'm contracted by some like weekend class schools to come in and teach on a Saturday or whatever. Um so it just so happened that working at these schools, like a lot of the kids that I teach are they're all super unique. And all of them kind of contribute even to my artistic development because I just kind of see things through the perspective or some conversations that we have. And so this, at this one period in my life, I was pretty sad about God knows what, I don't remember. Um, and I went in to teach and, and I was, became super envious that these kids were just so happy about nothing. They just came in all like bright eyed, bushy tailed and, you know, ready to have their piano class or their singing class. And, they were, they found joy in a colorful pencil or in, you know, the smallest thing. And I, and because I was so depressed or just so sad, I was like, I, I can't find joy in just about anything right now. And I, I'm, I want to be like them. Um, and so the songwriting came about lyrically because of that. It was just how we put up these boundaries for ourselves and these limitations in finding joy, like how we're the ones that create discrimination. We're the ones that create limitations by choosing not to like people without knowing them or Mm -hmm. 
by choosing to be miserable by just taking things for granted. So yeah, I gotta give uh, the kids the credit on this one. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's great. And it's like, it's not a, a thing that we hear too often, you know, especially in like pop music. It's usually, you know, we don't, we don't hear like topics like that are quite this, like, it's not heavy, heavy, but like, you know, they made this like an introspective, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, well, can you tell me a little bit about, um, like the process of putting it all together? And, uh, so, so you wrote it and then how long was it before you started, you know, trying to put things into action to, to actually release it? Yeah. So I started writing it, I think it was about three years ago and I just didn't find the right producer. Um, and also, I didn't feel like the structure of the song was something that I had written before. So I was very insecure about whether or not it was a completed song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never did anything with it. just kind of sat in, my, sat in my phone. And then I went to a songwriter's workshop here in Montreal. And I met this one person on this one time that I went. And he was the producer for the project. We hit it off right away, listened to the song, loved it. And it just kind of, it fell together effortlessly. Um, and at that point... We finished this up uh, last year, mm-hmm. last year, January. So January 2018, we finished the song. And I was actually trying to do a music video for that. Um, this guy was in Montreal was doing a documentary on artists. And part of the documentary would be that he would shoot music videos for us so that he could use them in the documentary. Well, let me tell you, while we were shooting it, he vanished with all the footage. So, <laughs> so I just, like totally stunned and not sure what to do. I was like, okay, well, great. He's got all this footage of this song and I don't like know what I'm going to do now. Mm-hmm. But by that point I had finished up another song called raise your voice, which was the single I released just before this one. Mm-hmm. And I instantly got the music video ideas for that. So I, I forgot about the song. I let it sit on the back burner, worked on that first and then m- met the right video guys that gave me the best possible scenario for the video and I, I went with them and now I have two videos done with these guys that I thought were great. They were great teammates and really helped bring my vision to life and, and tell a story that needed to be told. Mm-hmm. So everything worked out for the better in the end, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty dramatic for a little while. <laughs> That's crazy. So do you usually put out videos for uh, your singles as well or does it depend? It's some, yeah, it depends. I mean, it's something I started to do now that I've been solo because... I I want to use the visual uh, as part of the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like both these songs deserve to have their own little shining light um, and, 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 you know, have, have a weight of their own. So, I mean, moving forward, yeah, there will be more videos. Will every single have a video? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But for now, uh, the few singles that I'm releasing in the next one, the forthcoming one, will also have a video. Okay. And do you, yeah. do you notice a like uh, uptick in like engagement or anything like that when you put a video out? Like, do you think it's worth, um, you know, going through all the work of, of you know, mm-hmm. recording and putting it out as well? Good question. Um, yes and no. Um, I think in the past, because I maybe was a little less settled into who I am, um, it might've been a little bit more superficial and so there might've been less engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I think I'm really kind of speaking what's, what's true to me and what's, what's on my heart and what's on my mind, people are better. Um, they understand me better. They know me better. 
And so by default, I think that we just establish um, some faster connections and, and, I'll, and they'll reach out. So I, okay, it depends. That, yeah. That, that's interesting. Yeah. If it's like kind of just like a whatever BS video, you know, yeah. then it might just kind of like fly by. But if like you're being true to yourself and like, you know, uh, also like um, telling the story of the song at the same time and making yeah. it more personal, people connect with it more. Yeah. I think we're in an age now, like our generation's in a place where everyone's seeking so much, um, so much truth and like this self-discovery and, and authenticity that I think we're naturally gravitating more to that and getting more, more curious about it. Mm -hmm. um, I think our, our, you know, generation is pretty tired of, of seeing a lot of mass production of artists and, and superficial um, things. So we're craving so much of that, that it, I don't feel like it's that hard anymore. I think it's really about just kind of peeling back all of what we've been instilled of mm -hmm. the superficial thing and just really speaking what's on our hearts. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. Like authenticity, you know, like that's, mm -hmm. that's what people connect with, you know, some real shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and side note, um, the, yeah. the dude that produced this, was it Jordan? That's right. Jordan Perry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, him and I like have like the same business coach, so like we kind of. <laughs> okay, amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, that's yeah. Cause I think I saw him post it, maybe, or maybe you posted. I forget where. Um, anyway, I think it was on the Make Pop Music group. Okay. Might yeah, have been. yeah, he's dope. He's dope. I didn't know he was yeah. in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Great job, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, can you tell me a little bit about the? Um, I guess like the whole, so, so you wrote the song, you met up with Jordan and then from, mm -hmm. from there, how did it go? Did you guys, were you guys working in a room together? Were you sending, you know, stuff back and forth? Were you able to record together? Like how did that process look? Yeah, we, we met up and I went to his studio and we, uh, we did it in person because like I mentioned before the song, I was like, I was pretty insecure about the song structure. Uh, it wasn't anything I had written before and I, I wasn't really sure what, what to do with it and how to make it build. Um, so we sat down in the same room and kind of just went through some options and then uh, came up with, with the structure that we have now and we kind of used the production to just build the intensity of things as opposed to kind of modifying um, the melodies, uh, which was a different approach as well and it, it worked for us and we were pleased with it. So uh, the hands-on was effective in this situation. <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, one thing that I did notice was that there's like a, a a build throughout the whole song. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, the chorus hits hard at 50 seconds or anything like that. You know, like it, it keeps going yeah. and building and then there's finally that big crescendo at the end. Yeah. Uh, I think it works. I think it definitely works. Thank you. You know, like it, even even though it doesn't go from like, you know, zero to 100, like a lot of like pop songs will do when it gets to that chorus. Mm -hmm. um, it was still like engaging and interesting, you know, as that mm -hmm. build was happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great job. Thank you. <laughs> Objective met. <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, what was uh, what were some challenges you ran into uh, while, while making and putting this out? Aside from the music video footage being yeah. stolen. <laughs> <laughs> um, challenges. Um, I think it was probably, I think it was probably the, the video itself uh, because I wanted to be delicate about how to 
incorporate all the elements that I did. Um, so we used, uh, my, my dad was one of the characters mm-hmm. and, uh, as well as a family friend and the little girl in it is one of my students. So I wanted to be careful about presenting all this in this age of everybody being so politically correct and everybody kind of having sensitive feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I hated that I had to be so cautious about just telling the story because I was putting in all this footage of these, the, these children and like how they, how they could have been flashbacks of both my dad and my family friends um, of their youth. Um, and I was, and so I was struggling and kind of going back and forth with a lot of people and opinions on, on making sure that I wouldn't like, offend any, anybody by not including a specific culture or a race or whatever. And so I was afraid of how I was going to deliver it and not, and just tell the story and make it about the story and not about politics. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the biggest hurdle. Um, and then finally we decided to just kind of stay true to the, the story and not make it about anything else. And, and, you know, like whoever gets mad about it, gets mad about it. But like, I, I just can't please everybody anymore. You definitely can't. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, like, I think too, like some people are just looking for something to, you know, to say, angry about. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as long as your heart's in the right place going in, I think you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So uh, we, we all know, like I'm sure you do as well, like making the music, which is the fun part, is only like a part of the equation. Yeah. Um, how did you go about, and you don't have to be super specific or anything, but how did you go about like planning to promote and market the release? So obviously you have the music video, like hmm. how did that work in the timeline of everything? Were they... Did they come out together or were they spaced out? Okay. Um, yeah, no, I kept those together um, specifically because I wanted, I felt like the video brought out more beauty in the song. Um, but that was just my opinion. And I, I felt like people would want to listen to it, go like stream it more after they had seen the video. So I released them at the same time um, and tried to use that as a way more of just kind of sharing my story and things that like I live with, um, such as like, alcoholism and wanting to capture parts of my youth that I felt like were lost or things like that. So, um, where does it fit in the equation? I mean, for every single, your, your release plan is going to be a bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't say that I have it down to a science because I don't, I mean, I've only released three singles being independent again Mm -hmm. and the landscape of everything, even in the last several years that I was even signed have to have, we're changing all the time. So, I don't think anyone really knows what they're doing. I think we're all just, I think we're all just I think that's trying. A big secret. <laughs> yeah. I think that we're all, everyone's like looking for an answer or for a solution, but like there really isn't. It's all about, I think thinking a little bit outside the box, but also just thinking about what's pertinent and what, what your goal is with the single. So I know that just a quick example, but my late, my last single before this one, raise your voice was kind of surrounding the me too. And a lot of my friends that have been victims of sexual assault and social injustices and stuff like that. So I knew releasing that, that if my goal with that song was to empower victims and to empower people that had been silenced, that I needed to target those communities and use those communities for support as well. So maybe the, maybe like, you know, any artist might say, Oh yeah, well, I want to reach an international audience and that would be great. But we've got to start with a realistic target audience. And for me, that was that community of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with this single, it's kind of the same thing, only that I'm targeting from a more personal side and sharing my story. That being said, now I'm more targeting than 
people that are more nostalgic about their lives or people that are looking back and maybe people that have some alcoholism issues and what life might have looked like for them as children. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of, you know, capture back that youth. So my release plan for this was significantly different than the last one. In fact, I feel like this one's almost a little bit more ambiguous because I'm trying a couple of different things and I, I don't know yet what's going to work. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of rolling with it and improvising as we go. I have certain things in mind that I'd like, but like I said, with a lack of representation, not everything is going to come through. Um, So I have to improvise with the fact that even though this would be great and this might really help me, I also might not get it. So what am I going to do instead? Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Having contingency plans for, you know, if some things don't, don't quite pan out. Yeah. Um, What, uh, do you have any big like lessons that you've learned the hard way? about releasing uh, music that you were like, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) Uh, uh, So two things. I think the first lesson is to always have a plan, however rough, but have some kind of a plan. Um, And the second thing is to never act out of desperation. Because especially the second one of never acting out of desperation or need that subjects you to so much manipulation and extortion in this industry. And of course, as artists, we're all sensitive and we're all, we all want to get somewhere. We all want to accomplish what we want to do. And we all want to kind of like live off of our dreams, but we also have to realize that it is a business and there are a lot of really shady people in the business and we have to still guard ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think, what I learned anyways is like a couple, several times I was just so desperate that I had, I was like, what am I doing? And like, nothing's working. What am I doing wrong? Can somebody help me? And I think that even though I really did need help, I still have to operate as though I don't because whether or not someone's going to help me, I'm still going to keep doing what I got to do. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's smart. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've been there as well. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's one of those things like you, you, you screw up once and like you get burnt and then you, you learn from it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, um, all right. So what's the, uh, what's the plan for the future? What does the next month or six months look like for you? Uh, well, I've just started a radio campaign for when we were young. So I feel like that could take a lot of shapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking ahead to see how I can put together a small tour. Um, I'm kind of, I'm right now on the stage of asking around to see how to execute efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't have anything set in stone just yet, but that's kind of what's on my coming months. It's a lot of research and a lot of planning and weighing out some options. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also working on another uh, video and release plan for the next single, which I want to have in the back pocket and ready to go. Mm-hmm. And um and yeah, wrap up my album because I'm I want to release that for uh, fall 2020. And there's a lot time. Time flies. There's so much yeah. work to do and so many uh-huh. details to take care of. So um, gonna that's pretty much what my next uh, few months are gonna look like. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of preparation and a lot of you know putting the ribbons on stuff. Right, right. Um, how how often are you releasing music? Because that's actually something that you know I talk to a lot of different people about. Yeah. Um, so right now for me, my timelines looks like, like my ideal timeline is every like four months. Mm -hmm. Um, but things don't usually go exactly as planned. So my single came out for when we were young, a little later than that, um, Mm -hmm. following raise your voice. Um, I know some artists that like to release every month and they say that 
it's the consistency, it's the frequency, it's all that stuff. However, I think that that might be safer to say for someone that self-produces. If it's like not costing you anything to produce and maybe for you quantity works, that's cool. But in what I'm doing, I work with a lot of people. There's a lot of money involved in getting everything done, not just done, but done well and done to a competitive standard um, that I don't, I don't have money to just like throw around to release projects of that size every month. Mm -hmm. So I want to give every project its fullest potential. So I try to write it out with a plan of about three to four months, maybe five, six, if it's doing really well, stretch it as long as I can. Um, and at least, and essentially buy myself time until the album's ready. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's whatever works for you and what, what makes sense as well for your genre. I mean, I know plenty of, um, like hip hop artists around that release tracks every month, mm -hmm. um, but they don't give any track of, of significant push. Right. So if it's not really costing you anything to do that, then sure, fine. And if it's working for you, if you feel like it's each, each track that you release with no promotion is getting you a bigger following, then cool. Do you. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I don't, I don't feel like that's uh, particularly feasible to do. Okay. I, I guess it goes back to, you know, having a plan before you do anything, yeah. right? Having yeah. a plan and then trying to stick to it. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't really like the. I don't like the quantity because you can have a lot of songs, but if everything sounds the same and sounds bad, well, what did you accomplish? Right. Um, and so, and I also don't want to invest so much time in producing like a whole bunch of similar songs or like a lot of songs if I maybe went wrong somewhere and I'm repeating the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, from the EPs and albums I released with the label, maybe what I learned is that maybe I hadn't quite reached the core point of myself to be as honest and as authentic. And that's, what's capturing people now. Mm -hmm. So because I learned that from, from releasing those few songs with them, I don't need to repeat that now. Now I can even kind of dive in deeper into, well, you know what, if people were more inclined to listening to my very personal songs on the album, maybe I should go more into my story. Maybe that's what people are craving. Mm -hmm. So it kind of just, uh, it helps groom you to, you know, be the best version of yourself as an artist as well. Right, right, yeah, and it sounds like you're you're like taking, um, you know, taking note of like how each song does, and yeah. then trying to maybe not replicate, but you know, keep that in mind for the next one. For sure. Okay. Well, this is this is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I don't want to keep you all day. How uh, how can people find you, and where 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 are you most active? Sure thing. So they can check everything out on uh, on the hub, which is my website decemberrosemusic.com uh, all my links are, are tied in there but otherwise I'm on Facebook uh, Instagram December Rose Music YouTube same thing and Twitter December Rose 92 although I don't I don't really use Twitter that much so you might not really want to waste <laughs> go hang out on my ghostly page over there <laughs> <laughs> I don't use Twitter either I didn't get into it <laughs> I mean either <laughs> you don't use TikTok or anything uh, I I downloaded the app. I have to make an account. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I did the same I, thing. I, I have it, but I haven't used it yet. <laughs> yeah, so I have to I have to get into it. But if they follow my social media on the other pages, I'll post it when I'm finally set up on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, well, thank thank you again for your time. I mean, this is super super useful for me, and, and hopefully for a bunch of other people too. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got something useful out of it. If you did, 
please like, subscribe, comment, and share this series with your friends. If you like the artist and want to check out more of their work, please go to the show notes at vrtigomusic.com slash about to drop. Thanks again and stay tuned for the next episode.